For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. I'll begin reading at verse 1 to verse 12, as we have been reading the past few weeks. This morning, our focus is on verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Before I turn to the reading of God's word, I have a homework assignment for our young children. If you can come to pastor this evening or next Sunday and let me know what Ebenezer means, that would be great. Maybe I'll have something for you. If you need a hint, maybe you can talk to Pastor Anima. Maybe he can help you out, our Hebrew professor. But this time we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thus far the reading of God's Holy Word, let's go before him in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we pray, O Lord, that the words of your servant and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, we pray, amen. Congregation of Christ, the condition of the blessed, as we have been looking in the past few weeks, have been one who has been poor in spirit, one who mourns one who is meek, and one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. These, are, these beatitudes, these four, focus on the condition or disposition of the Christian in God's kingdom as it relates to the individual Christian. So how the Christian feels in his heart, who he is in his heart. He is one who is poor in spirit, one who mourns, one who is meek, one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Verse 4 now transitions when Jesus declares, Blessed are the merciful ones. Those who are merciful are the ones who truly are blessed and happy, for they shall receive mercy. Jesus now focuses on the character or attitude of the Christian towards others. Now we're looking outwardly at our neighbor. Congregation, the church of Jesus Christ is a community of merciful people. Merciful people. The kingdom of God consists of merciful citizens who desire to love God and love their neighbor in such a way 
that they display mercy. So what is the meaning of this? What is the character of the blessed who are merciful ones? Well, mercy means to pity or have compassion. And so the merciful one is one who shows and feels pity or compassion toward their neighbor who is in a most wretched, helpless, and hopeless condition. I think one of the most famous parables related to mercy are the parables of the unforgiving servant, the parable of what is it called? The Good Samaritan? Luke chapter 10? When a lawyer approached Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what does the law say? You know. And the lawyer summarizes, love God, love neighbor. And Jesus says, right on, you got it. You hit the nail on the head. Now go and do it and live. Well, the lawyer knew something was wrong, so he tried to justify himself, and he said, well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you a parable. Jesus tells the lawyer a parable, which is really a parable condemning the religious leaders of his day. And he talks about a man who was on the Jericho Road fell among robbers, was robbed, beaten severely, left on the road to die. And who comes along? Who are the passerbys? A Levite and a priest. Two men, you would think, <laughs> would practice what they preach. What do they do? They pass by, one on his right, one on his left. But who comes along? A Samaritan, one who is despised by the Jews because they intermarried. They were not pure Jews. And in that time, in that day, Samaritans were despised. But Jesus uses a Samaritan to make a point. And so the Samaritan man, what does he do? He sees the man and he has compassion. He has pity. He not only feels pity, but he shows it. There's a difference between feeling something, feeling pity, and actually showing it. In other words, other words, he actually showed it, tending to his wounds and making sure that he was taken care of and Jesus says to the lawyer, which of these three, of the priest, of the Levite, of the Samaritan, who do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. He couldn't even say Samaritan, the lawyer. He said, no, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. 
The objective of the parable is to show, not to find out who the, the, the neighbor is, who your neighbor is, but it's rather, what kind of neighbor am I? Am I going to show mercy? Not just feel it towards somebody, but show mercy tangibly, concretely, in very practical ways. Because God says many times in the Old Testament, and Jesus even quotes it in the New, in the Gospels, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, sacrifices were required back then, but his point is this. Don't go about the Christian life checking off the boxes. Talked about that in the past. Going through your religious motions, all the while neglecting mercy, love. Jesus declared, blessed are those who are merciful. A couple points here on the, the, um, the merciful, the character of the blessed. Jesus declared, blessed those who have compassion and pity towards sinners. Like yourself. That's the character of the blessed. Those are the ones who are happy. Those who have pity and compassion towards sinners. Also, Jesus declared, Bless those who have pity and compassion, now listen carefully, toward their enemies. Toward their enemies. Because we ourselves were once enemies of God. Jesus says, love your enemies in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with what? Good. That's feeling and showing mercy toward your enemy. That's a hard thing to confess, isn't it? That's a hard thing to actually do. Have pity also and compassion toward the materially poor, those who are suffering physically. Also, Jesus declared, bless those who have pity, and now listen carefully, forgives sinners. Forgives those who sinned against you. On the cross, do you remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ? While his enemies were putting him to death, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. How about Stephen, the first martyr in the Christian church? In Acts chapter 7, records his beautiful speech to the religious leaders. 
a great redemptive historical lesson and how redemptive history is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And they were so mad at Stephen that they were stoning him. They were stoning a man who believed in Christ, a righteous man, because he had faith in Christ. And Stephen called out saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He prayed to Jesus, Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow. Like those who mourn, the merciful ones grieve sin and the consequences and effects of sin, but they take it a step further and act mercifully towards others in the ways I've just described. In other words, this is completely counter-cultural. You want to know what it means to live differently in this world? You need to look no further than the Beatitudes. Particularly, the fifth Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because the world can't and does not know biblical mercy. The world's idea of mercy, the Bible teaches, is actually cruel. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10 says, Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. In other words, they have very little to no regard for life. The world is vindictive and vengeful. They play judge, jury, and executioner. I mean, do we need to look any further than social media and the public's outcry of what's going on in the wars? Everybody's a judge. Everybody's condemning one another as if they have everything, all the knowledge and wisdom and insights. When they only have a minuscule idea of what's going on. And God sees the big and whole picture. Can you imagine that for a second? In any, any relational trouble or trial, there are so many sides to stories. But God knows it all. He knows the big picture. We only have a small, ever so small glimpse of things. The world is vindictive and vengeful. To the wicked, mercy means death. The world produces movements like cancel culture that quickly points out the sin of everyone else except their own. They're self-righteous and try to destroy lives. No room for forgiveness. No room for mercy. None. Those who embrace the world's worldview and lifestyle are, in fact, the most miserable. It's just fascinating. 
all the videos that are posted online, you'll watch a video of some harmful thing done to a person that's being videotaped. But who's there to help the person? You ever see that? Sometimes I just am dumbfounded that somebody's actually being hurt. But people are gathered around with video cameras, their phones. It's like there's an indulgence for harm and hurt. We know that this is not the way of the Christian. Christians imitate their Father in heaven because he is merciful and he is the living God. I recently read a story that came out of the UK. An 11-year-old girl was, because we have children here, I'll just use your imagination, was greatly harmed an expecting child. And the judge decided that she needs to abort the child. Is that mercy? Is that love? This is not the Christian way. Christians are merciful. We come around young women like this girl and love them and care for them and point them to Jesus, the one who has pity and compassion. That's why teen mother choices is such a blessing to this ministry or to this, the ministry of this church. I can go on about the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down and read that later. This is the character of the blessed. Secondly, the mercy of God in Christ. Listen, friends, we read earlier that we love because he first loved us. Well, that follows then that we are merciful because he was first merciful to us. Those who are merciful to their neighbor have been transformed by the mercy of God in Christ. Because of our sinful nature, we are not merciful. Because of our sinful nature, we are worldly, resentful, vengeful, hold grudges. In fact, we're not too different than the world that I described earlier. By nature, are we? Apart from Christ, are we much different? No. We're not. We care only for ourselves. And if we do care for others, it's typically for self-gratification or vainglory. But God, who knows our misery, our sin and condition, he knows that we are lost, helpless, and hopeless. He sent forth his son to rescue us from the bondage of sin and death. We know the mercy of God in Christ. He has opened up our hearts. The Lord spared us from the pit of hell. The Lord spared us and saved us from our miserable and sinful condition. He made us alive together with our risen Savior. 
That's why the author in Hebrews says Jesus is our merciful, merciful and faithful high priest. Always making intercession for us. Perhaps some of you are thinking of the song, the hymn, Wonderful, Merciful Savior, Precious Redeemer and Friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, Comforter, Keeper, Spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Our hearts always hunger for. Jesus is our merciful and faithful high priest. And having received this new nature by the mercy of God in Christ, Christians now possess and practice mercy. Because we are new creations in Christ, we both possess a new nature and we practice mercy. In our being, we have a new nature reflecting the image of our Creator, being transformed to the image of our Creator, and mercy is that attribute of God that's being worked out in our lives to be practiced. And we are becoming more like Christ as we practice more and more mercy. We are merciful because He was first merciful to us. Don't forget that, Christian. Don't forget that. The mercy of God in Christ is the reason why we are merciful. Thirdly, the promise of Christ. Now Christ's promise poses a problem for some interpreters and Christians because it seems that only those who show mercy will receive mercy from God. Do you notice that? Blessed are the merciful ones, or blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy that is, does God only show mercy on those who show mercy in this life? Is it then ultimately dependent upon the person that makes God show mercy on us? Similarly, later on we hear the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Is God's forgiveness towards us dependent upon whether or not we forgive others? And if we don't forgive others, then we are eternally condemned because our Father doesn't forgive us. And so some interpreters have issues with this passage in terms of what Jesus is actually saying. Because we know that Christians do not consistently and perfectly have mercy and forgive others. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. We still wrestle with sin. We still harbor bitterness, resentment. 
Oftentimes we struggle to forgive and move on in grace. Well, it's important we understand Christ's promise in the light of the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible. And what we know is that the Bible teaches that we are saved by God's grace alone and not by works of the law. Because mercy is that work of the law. It is a good work that is being worked out in the life of the Christian, but it's a work that depends upon the mercy of God in Christ, being converted to Christ, receiving the righteousness of Christ. To be merciful is to act righteously and to do a good work. However, it's a good work wrought in us or done in us by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to understand what the Bible teaches. So what is Jesus saying here then? I believe that Christ's promise teaches us that those who are merciful have assurance that God will have mercy on them in the present and in the last day. That they show by their works that they are children of God. They show that they love one another, as we read earlier from 1 John 4. By your love for one another, you show that you abide in God and God abides in you. And so those who are merciful have an assurance that God will have mercy on them in the present and in the last day. The Bible says that James chapter 2, verse 13, For judgment is, that, is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Christ's promise is fulfilled now, and it is fulfilled in the future, in the last day. It is fulfilled now because we have received the mercy of God. Ephesians 2 says, But God, being rich in what? In mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God saw us in a most miserable condition, dead on the road, spiritually lifeless, at enmity with him, and he made us alive. He made us alive. That's mercy. And Christ promises that in this life, when we are raised to life by the Spirit of God, God raises us up with His Son. Not only that, He seats us at the right hand with the Son. He seats us in the heavenly places. You are seated with Christ now. Do we deserve it? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Does that not evoke praise? Does that not evoke worship, adoration, love 
for God. And this promise is future too. He will grant mercy to the merciful, those who are clothed with Christ's righteousness, those who have been changed and transformed by the the Spirit of God and made alive in Christ. In the last day, because they have shown mercy by God's grace in this life, God will have mercy upon them. Hell is canceled, heaven gained. By His mercy, we will reach our eternal inheritance and home with the Lord. We will bask in the Son of Righteousness, our Lord Jesus Christ, and be in the glorious presence forever. We will preside in the presence of mercy Himself, praising the Lord. I want to close with three points of application. Christians are not perfect in their pity and compassion toward others, toward their neighbor. But we do have a different bent, a different attitude than we did prior to conversion. What's our attitude toward our neighbor today? Do you feel compassion toward them? Do we practice mercy? Is there someone in your life that comes to mind that you need to show mercy to because of the mercy of God in Christ that you have received. Who is that person? Who's the first person that comes to mind? Don't, Don't consume yourself what other people should do for that person. No, I'm talking to you and me. I'm not talking about forming a committee. You, Christian, who is that person? Do we practice what we preach? In the recent weeks, we know that a family in town was devastated by a fire that killed an elderly couple, severely burned a young girl, young woman. And it was amazing. It is amazing to hear about the mercy of the Christian community expressed in this tragic incident. This family has received much from the community of faith, churches both near and far. That's putting feet to your faith. It really is. Mercy has to be tangible, concrete, practical. Not just saying you feel sorry for the person. So who's that person in your mind and heart? Secondly, our Lord says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now please listen to me well on this one. We often think of a passage like this to be interpreted like this. 
that because Jesus suffered on the cross, we too have crosses in life whereby we suffer. That's true. We don't suffer in a salvific way. Jesus died for our salvation. We don't suffer in that way. But we suffer. But the cross that we bear is one of a forgiving spirit. What were the implications of the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So bearing your cross means bearing with one another. With all of our warts and all. With all of our sins. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you and me. This is where the rubber meets the road. And oh, how hard it is when we are offended against to forgive. Well, we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we going to bear our cross in all its suffering? Third application. God rewards the merciful ones with mercy. Now when we talk about rewards, we think about earning or meriting. As the catechism asks, how can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? And the answer of the catechism is this. This reward isn't merited. It is a gift of grace. And so note this, that the merciful ones will receive mercy. They don't earn it. It is a gift of grace, as I mentioned earlier, the mercy of God in Christ. God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of of your Lord. I want to conclude now with a passage from Scripture from Luke chapter 6. I invite you to turn in your Bibles. Luke chapter 6. Beginning at verse 27. Notice how he starts here. But I say to you who hear. You hear that? Are you hearing right now? Is your heart closed or is it open? If it's open, listen. Listen. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. 
Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. Climax in human history when Jesus was raised up on the cross, lifted up, and calls his people to himself, was buried and raised from the dead so that we have life in him. Oh Lord, teach us what it means that he is Savior of our sins so that we, in turn, walk mercifully towards our neighbor.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn in your songbook to 242. We're going to stand and sing Father Long Before Creation.